0: Finding a wife and getting married is probably the most important decision, apart from coming to know Jesus, that you're going to make in your entire life. A marriage can either make you or break you. A marriage is either the fuel and catalyst for your for your life and ministry, or it's an absolutely life suck. Apart from knowing Jesus, picking a wife is the most important thing. You should do. All right, man, I got a little confession to make. So my BC days, y'all know what BC means, before Christ? My before Christ days, I was on a reality dating show. I was on the precursor to The Bachelor. It was a show called Eliminate on the WB. So when I graduated from the University of Louisville, I was like the most eligible bachelor. So they did this, they did this show where I would go on dates with, with four other women, and throughout the show, I would I would eliminate them, and it was absolutely terrible. As a matter of fact, after finding Jesus, um, I had to repent and go back and ask for a lot of forgiveness. It is not the way to find a wife. Eliminate the bachelor. I think they have something called the golden bachelor now, which is just ridiculous. Uh, my guilty pleasure is love is blind on Netflix. These are not good ways to find a wife. Trust me. And I have a lot of men that, that will ask me as I'm at conferences or other places, especially a lot of young men, um, how do I, how do I find a wife? Like, how do I know um, that she's the one? She is is who I should marry. So so I just want to talk about that today. I want to talk about what it means to, to find a good wife, to find your wife. As a matter of fact, finding a wife and getting married is probably the most important decision, apart from coming to know Jesus, that you're going to make in your entire life. Like a marriage can either make you or break you. A marriage is either the fuel and catalyst for your, for your life and ministry, or it's an absolutely life suck. Apart from knowing Jesus, I'm telling you, picking a wife is the most important thing you should do. I see, I see young men all the time go, well, well, um, she's hot. Right? They're at a bar or they're at a club and she's the one, she's hot, and I remind them, yeah, she may be hot, but so is hell. Right? I'm not looking for a good time. When I'm thinking about picking a wife and somebody to to build a life with, I'm not looking for a good time, man. I'm looking for someone I can make a legacy with. That's what I'm looking for. So as you think about, as you think about what it means to to find a wife, um, I want to give you a couple of things first. I want to, I want to dispel this notion of the one, like, I don't think there is the one I don't think from eternity past, like God created you and he created this other person. And then he sent you guys out into the world so that you would find each other on some hallmark Christmas special. Like, I don't, I don't think that's how, how it works. Um, She's not going to come riding in on a horse and like the heavens open up and a light shine down on her. As a matter of fact, after I came to know Christ and after I had grown to a level of maturity where I was ready to take on a wife, um, there was probably uh, more than one girl. There were, there, there was more than one girl that, that um, um, I was either courting or, or having conversations with and, 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 because I had options, and I don't say that arrogantly, the, the question wasn't uh, which one is the one. The question was, first and foremost, which one, which one of these women helps me look most like Jesus? Like That was my first question. When, when I sought to find a wife, the first question was, man, which one of these girls will help me look most like Jesus? It was a selfish question. But there was no way I was going to marry someone that was going to take away from my witness. There was no way I was going to marry someone that was going to, that was going to pull me away from my Savior. No, I wanted to marry someone that was going to help me look more like Jesus. I was going to marry someone that would, that would point me to my Savior. This is, why, this is why the Apostle Paul writes in Scripture that, that believers should not marry unbelievers. Like if you want a a qualification or if you're making a list of what I'm looking for in a wife or how do I pick a wife, number one, she has to be a believer. Like you need to spend time with her. You need to watch her life and her doctrine, and you need to find out if she loves the Lord like you love the Lord. Otherwise, you're going to marry her, and there's going to be instant problems. I can't tell you the number of couples that I counsel, husbands and wives that I counsel, and and all their strife, all their issues, all their struggles come from the fact that one's a believer and one's not a believer. So when you think about it, the Bible is very clear that a believer should not marry an unbeliever. Uh, The Bible says you you should be equally yoked and you should not be unevenly yoked. And what that's a picture of is is two oxen that are yoked together pulling in the same direction. And when the oxen are pulling in the same direction, they're taking ground, they're making progress, they're getting things done. But if they're not equally yoked, what happens is the oxen will pull in different directions. More so, they may even pull in opposite directions, which breaks down the whole transport. Everything breaks down. So the Bible is giving us this picture of two people. And and when they're not equally yoked, meaning when they're not believing the same thing or believing in the same person, they will pull in two different directions. That's why it becomes a problem. When a believer marries an unbeliever, they're not starting at the same point. They don't share the same values. They don't have the same set of virtues or at least the end of those virtues. Right? One person supposedly is living for King Jesus, and the other person is living for something else. And because that's true, everything becomes a conflict. What you do with your time becomes a conflict. The importance of going to church becomes a conflict. What you do with your money becomes a conflict, where you live, where you work, how you dress, When you begin to rear and raise your children, all that becomes a conflict because you're pulling in opposite directions. So if a believer is marrying an unbeliever from day one, think about it. They're standing. I want you to picture this, a believer and an unbeliever standing at the altar, looking at one another and saying, I do. From that moment, they both turn away from one another. And they're going in opposite directions. That's how you're beginning your marriage when you marry an unbeliever. So like qualification number one, is she a believer? And if that's qualification number one, that kind of starts to um, dwindle the pool of the places you can look. (laughs) So if you're looking to find a believer to marry someone that loves Jesus like you love Jesus, my guess is uh, you're probably not going to find that person at the club. You're probably not going to find that person at the bar, right? And I'm not saying believers can't go to clubs. I'm not saying they can't, they can't go to, to bars. Some Christians like to drop it like it's hot. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is if you're looking for a pool to fish in and you're looking for a pool of believers – you should probably go to where believers go, like the church. There is nothing wrong with finding your wife at the church. As a matter of fact, that's exactly where I found mine. After becoming a a new believer, a 70-year-old retired pipe fitter with a sixth-grade education discipled me. He picked me out, and he discipled me. He showed me what it meant to love Jesus and what it meant to love God's word. He was turning 71 years old, and he said, hey, man, I want you to come to my my pool party. I'm 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 71, and I'm having a pool party. I thought that was a little bit weird, but whatever. I said, hey, man, I'm busy that night. Don't think I can make it. He's like, no, I really want you at my pool party. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm not coming to your pool party, and it's kind of creepy that you keep pushing it this hard. The night before the pool party, his wife, Miss Georgetta, called me, and she's like, hey, Mr. Don really wants you at the pool party. So I came. I came to the pool party. You don't tell Georgetta no. So I showed up at the 71-year-old's pool party. And what do you get a 71-year-old? I had no idea. I showed up with a cookie cake. How lame is that? And at this pool party, he basically introduces me to his granddaughter, whom I marry a year later. And make a note of that, young man. Sometimes you find a mentor and a wife. You feel me? But I found her, man, through the guy that was discipling me at the church. It's a great place to look. So so the first thing I'm looking for, man, is she a believer of Jesus? And secondly, I'm going to put this second on my list. and I know some people are going to disagree with this. Don't at me. But man, do you find her attractive? And I'm just not talking about physical attraction. Is there emotional attraction? Is there a spiritual attraction? And then yes, is there a physical attraction? I love my wife. She is smoking hot. She looked like a... Looks like a young version of Angelina Jolie. I love my wife. I am physically attracted to her. I cannot, I've been married to her for 15 years now, and I still can't keep my hands off of her. Every day, every day, I tell my wife, I love you, I'm in love with you, and I think you're smoking hot. I tell her that every day. So are you attracted to her physically? Is there an emotional attraction, man? Can you, can you trust her? Can you, can you share your shortcomings with her and your failures with her? Does she not pass judgment as you're sharing where you've been and where you are and where you hope to go? Is there that emotional attraction? Is there a spiritual attraction? Like, Are you both equally yoked and loving Jesus together? And what's crazy is that spiritual attraction often feeds the physical attraction. I love it when I when I see my wife um, reading the Bible, when I see my wife doing devotionals, when my wife is praying for and with my kids. Like, that turns me on. So, man, does she, does she love Jesus? Right, first. Secondly, man, am I emotionally and physically and, and, and mentally attracted her? Third, right? Does she possess those, those characteristics um, uh, that the Bible says she should possess, right? I mean, is she of good character? Is she more concerned with, with what's on the inside instead of what's on the outside? Is she, is she not materialistic? Man, this is one of the things I love about my wife. My wife is one of the most frugal people I know. Like She's still wearing her her high school T-shirt. In our relationship, I'm the one that spends the money, not not her. My wife could couldn't care less about appearance. She couldn't care less about the type of car she drives, or the size of our home, the type of clothes we wear. She is she is 100% concerned with the inside. Kind of like kind of like the Bible says. God doesn't judge the outward appearance. God judges the heart, man. My wife is always peering into my heart. She's always after the hearts of our of our children. So do does she possess those 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 virtues, right? Those biblical virtues. And and how how would you know if she did? Well, well you know by spending time with her. You know by getting to know her. You know by asking the right questions, she'll she'll send off yellow flags and 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 red flags if something's wrong. Pay attention to those things. It was Maya Angelo who said when when someone shows you their true character, you should believe them. Like you should believe them. So so be on the watch out for character and virtue flaws or the or the absence of such. So I'm looking at Man, I'm looking at, does she love Jesus, right? I'm, I'm looking at, am I physically, emotionally, and mentally attracted to her? I'm looking at, does she possess those biblical virtues? Right? Fourthly, I'm looking at, man, what do my what do my parents think? What do my friends think? Like like those that are that are closest to me. Nine times out of ten, especially if your parents are are wise and and are believers. Nine times out of 10, they are right about your spouse. They are right about your future mate. Like, listen to what your mother thinks. Listen to what your father thinks. Your father typically knows best. If you've got some close friends um, in your circle, man, ask their opinion and heed their feedback. Those closest to you know you best. And often they know what's best for you. So so I'm I'm looking for man. Does she does she love Jesus with her heart, with her mind, with her body, with her spirit? Does she does she um, turn me on? Am I emotionally, and mentally, and physically, spiritually attracted to her? I'm looking at does she have these virtues right? These biblical virtues. Um, are my friends and 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 family in agreement? Like they feel like this is someone that could that could help me in life, help me in my ministry, help me. Um, look more like Jesus. And if that's the case, my last encouragement, man, put a ring on it. Like, don't wait. Don't sit in your own head, in your own self-doubt. Like, if you can check the box on those four things, then you don't have to worry about getting engaged too soon or getting married too soon because you've, you've gotten exactly what you need. Someone who loves Jesus, someone who you're attracted to, someone who possesses biblical virtues and, and, and character, someone that, that, that your loved ones are in agreement with and are for, man, put a ring on it, wifer. Go through an engagement period, get some, get some premarital counseling, get, get, get plugged in at your church, have, have your pastor sit with you, and then get married and begin that life together. There is nothing, there is nothing that will fuel life, that will fuel your marriage, that will fuel your ministry like a marriage. But at the same time, man, there is nothing that will hinder it more than a marriage. This is the most important decision you'll make. So be wise, exercise wisdom. Listen to sound wisdom and judgment. And look for the things that the Bible says to look for, not what the world says to look for, not what Hollywood says to look for. I've been married for 15 years, and it is hard work. It is more hard work than it is Hollywood. Trust me. But it's worth every minute of it. My marriage has helped shape me and form me more than anything else in my life, and it's because I'm married not the one but the right one. someone that loves Jesus, someone I'm attracted to, someone that possesses those virtues, someone that my family loves, someone that said yes. You know how I know Allison's the one? Because when I asked her, she said yes. And we jumped into marriage counseling, and we got married nine months later. Couldn't wait for it. So, brothers, as you're out there looking for the one, I mean, I know, I know she might be smoking hot, but so is hell. You're not looking for someone you can have a good time with. You're looking for someone you can build a legacy with. And when you find that one, wife or man, put a ring on it, do the deed. You know, in a lot of ways, the church has idolized marriage. I mean, I want you to think about that the greatest man to ever live never had sex and was never married. King Jesus. And he's our example. So the reality is there's, there's probably two types of men watching this, right? There, there's the man that has been called to remain single. And I'm, I'm going to address that in just a second. And then there's the man that's burning with desire, burning with lust, like has to feed the flame, right? Like needs to be yoked up, needs to be married. To that guy that's been called to be single, and, and, and I think there are a few of those men, um, you need to understand that's a gift. Like God gave that gift to the Apostle Paul. Maybe he's given that gift to you. He did not give that gift to me. It was not good for me to stay single. Like I was burning the house down, yo. It was not good. But if he's given you that gift of, of, of singleness, man, praise God. Like don't waste that gift either. Um, uh, the church needs strong, single men that have that single focus. Paul talks about that it's better to be single because you can have a single focus on Jesus, whereas Chris, who's married, my focus is diverted. So not only am I focusing on Jesus, but I also have to pay attention to my wife, to my four kids, etc., now, I'm doing that while looking at Jesus, but you can see where the attention becomes divided. So if you've been called to be single, man, praise be to God. Don't fall into that trap where the church says, unless you're married, you can't be productive. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And there's a lot of churches that promote that. I saw I saw a singles ministry in a church. I think it was called like Singles and Spares. It was the worst name for a, for a singles ministry ever. <laughs> it's terrible like that person should be fired like you're not a spare uh, as a matter of fact you've been given a great gift of singleness so, so so don't don't waste that but but if you haven't been given that gift and i believe many of us have not um, it's okay to find your wife at church now if you're only going to church to find your wife then you've got your priorities mixed up You go to church because the Bible says, don't neglect the gathering. And it's in the community of church where we can look and become more like Christ. It just so happens that while we're doing that, we can also find a wifey. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to do that and then take the appropriate steps in that, whether it's premarital counseling, obviously it's connecting with your pastor and sharing your desire. And then it's making that commitment in front of your church. And then as a husband and wife, you're serving that church. And some of you guys are watching this and you're listening, you're like, but heart, man, I've been doing that. You know, I'm looking in the right places. I've been praying about, about the one or or the one that God's going to bring to me and like like it's not happening. So why isn't it happening? And my encouragement to you right now is you need to make yourself one, not just as as not just as available as you can be but make yourself like the person worth marrying. So, so if you're that guy waiting, waiting on your spouse, you're looking to get married, like what are you doing to make yourself the most eligible bachelor? Because not only are you looking for a wifey, but like wifey is looking for a husband. So when she's surveying the land, like are you the dude standing out? Are you the cream that's rising to the top? That's what I would encourage you to be. Man, be that cream. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's the same set of criteria. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? You want the woman that finds that sexy. You want the woman that finds that appealing. Man, you be a superstar for Jesus. Be the guy out there putting on those virtues, putting on those values, putting on the likeness of Christ and making yourself as attractive as possible in Christ likeness like work on that grow in your maturity grow in your intimacy for the Lord when those women are surveying the land bro are you the one are you the one like um who was it Saul the Bible says he was a he was a a head taller than everybody else handsome like had it together like people knew oh he the one right and then and then right underneath that physically so not only are you spiritually attractive, but, but physically, are you, are you disciplined, right? Have you let yourself go? Like, don't, don't walk around looking homeless. Like, get your beard trimmed, bro. It's okay. Get it done. Every now and then, I get a little manicure, get a little pedicure. It's nice. 45 minutes sitting in the chair. Run a couple of miles every day. It's not going to hurt you. But like, are you are you presenting your best self? Are you presenting a, a figure that's, that's, that, that's disciplined, that's well-groomed, put together? So not only am I, am I checking those, those Christ-like and, and spiritual boxes, but Paul said exercise is of some value. Some of y'all need to hear me say that. Exercise is of some value. I mean, wear a shirt with a collar on it. Get a shirt that's not, not two sizes too big or jeans that are two sizes too big. Um, look the part. Take care of yourself physically, and then lastly, man. When I say be available, I'm talking about be available. Put yourself out there. If the church doors are open, be there. Be serving. Be giving back. Be volunteering. Don't just don't just hold up in a room watching movies or playing video games. You know where you're not going to find a wife playing Fortnite. That's where you're not going to find a wife. So put yourself out there. Look like Jesus. Pull yourself together and step out into the world, and you'll be amazed what comes your way. Some of you, so some of you cats watching this too, you've been dating the same girl for like five, six, seven years, and you've got what I call um, temporary tattoo syndrome syndrome. You know why temporary tattoos are not cool? Real real tattoos are cool. This whole sleeve right here, tattooed man. Real tattoos are cool. You know why temporary tattoos are not cool? You know why nobody gets henna tattoos? Temporary tattoos give the appearance of permanence without the commitment. So you kind of live this temporary tattoo relationship. Like you want the appearance of permanence without the real commitment. So you've been dating this girl for six, seven, eight, nine years. And and honestly, you're probably breaking her heart. Just stringing her along. Because in the back of her mind, she's thinking, man, one day he's actually going to commit. He just doesn't want the appearance of permanence. He wants permanence. So here's here's a hard truth for you, men. If you've been dating that girl for five, six, seven years, and you haven't, made the commitment. You're either a coward or she's not the one, one of the two guys, one of the two. And if she's not for you, let her know. And you need to find the person that is for you. Otherwise you need to man up, man. And you need to wife that girl, especially if she's checking the boxes, right? She's loving Jesus. You're attracted to her. She has those virtues and values that, 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 are exemplified in the Bible, your family, your friends, they're for her. Man, you need to marry her because there are tremendous benefits that you're missing out on. And I'm not talking like financial and tax benefits. Like, put those aside, right? Everybody talks about, well, two incomes are better than one. It's not always true. Put that aside. I'm talking about like the spiritual benefits. There is nothing more sanctifying in your life than being married. There is nothing that helps me look more like Jesus than my wife. Loving her as Christ loved his church, dying to myself daily and living for her. It is a sanctifying experience being married to my wife. Some of you men, you've been dating or courting the same girl five, six, seven years, and you're missing out on a level of spiritual maturity because you won't commit. Like your spiritual maturity is ready to shoot through the roof, but it's plateaued because you like temporary tattoos. And you're missing out on the benefit of that. So if you're this guy just stringing this girl along, listen, stop being a coward. If she checks the boxes, marry her. If not, man, move on. Let her know you've taken advantage of her. Forgive me, repent, I apologize. You're not the one for me and then go get the one that is. Hey, so, so learning about your fiance, learning about your spouse, like that's going to be a lifelong process. There are things I'm discovering today about my wife and she's discovering about me that even after 15 years is being uncovered and coming out. So like, you're never going to stop being a student of your spouse. You're never going to be you're never gonna stop being a student of, of, of the one the Lord has, has has brought to you and 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 for you. But the benefits of like premarital counseling, the benefits of, of of marriage counseling, like like going through some of that stuff beforehand helps mitigate future battles, right? It helps mitigate future hurts and future hangups. Like I love premarital counseling because one, it gives us a common language. It gives us a common uh, a spot to jump off from. But at the same time, we can we can uncover maybe some unhealthy habits early, some hurts early, some hangups early. They're gonna mitigate future hurt in the marriage. So my encouragement to any young couple that's that's thinking about getting married or getting ready to get married, like you need to sit down with your pastor, you need to go through some sort of pre, marital course or plan so that you can discover more about one another and then also man get good advice about how to move forward every wedding you ever go to i don't care um, if it's if it's a believer's wedding or even if it's a secular just two pagans getting married right everybody's favorite part of the wedding is when they have all the couples on the dance floor and if you've been married for a year sit down If you've been married for 10 years, sit down. If you've been married for 30 years, sit down. And then you got that one couple on the floor, right? Gertrude and Larry. They've been married for for 60 years, right? And everybody's applauding and they're like, they're like, what's one thing you can tell the young couple? Well, what is that? Man, that's the transfer of wisdom. Like you're looking for wisdom in your marriage. Guess what? Get some of that wisdom before you get married. That's what premarital counseling does, man. It's a a transfer of wisdom that will help you mitigate future hurt.